Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of my series on Dependenceville. My name is Caleb Hires. I'm honored that you're listening to this. Uh, just a quick 30 second recap of our last talk. Uh, we talked about how dependence is actually a place that every creature ever to draw breath is actually dependent upon the Lord. And there's no one outside of that world that everything that has breath actually got it from God, that the Ruach HaKodesh, remember we learned some Hebrew, the Holy Spirit is the breath of God, the wind of God that fills the lungs of every human being. So it doesn't matter what you believe or where you come from or your denomination, it doesn't matter. You depend upon God. We also talked about how you're not actually growing in your need of God, you're just growing in your awareness of Him, that to be poor in spirit is to realize your dire need of the Holy Spirit. Today I want to continue talking about that place called Dependenceville and expounding on some aspects of it and uh, maybe as I invite you into this journey, maybe some things you might need as we walk into this place that I believe is in the heart of God and is for every person listening to my voice. So let me start with a quote by a spiritual father of mine, Georgian Banoff. He said, all independence is a lie. You cannot even breathe on your own. All independence is a lie. You cannot even breathe on your own. And that's just the truth. It's exactly what I was saying in the first episode here, that you need God. I need God. Every person needs God. And I don't care if you believe in God or not. You still need Him. Creative design speaks of a creator, you know, and evolution is a theory. The fact is, everything around you is created. There must therefore by simple logic be a creator and you are dependent upon that creator. So in speaking of that place we all live in, Dependenceville, I just I just want to let you know it's not some far off, you know, utopian society where nothing goes wrong. This is not a utopian perfect world where nothing goes wrong. No, this is a very tangible reality where free people dwell in harmony and holy conflict. Yes, there's harmony and there's holy conflict. And that's because tension is the essence of truth, that all truth is held in tension. I can prove it to you. In order for you to even be hearing my voice right now, you have to, I have to be speaking. I know, this is real deep, hang on with me. I am literally making sounds out of my mouth because I have vocal cords that are held in tension. Just like an instrument, a guitar, has to have strings at a certain tension to actually sound out a note. Well, the Word became flesh. The truth is a person. Truth is a person named Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God in the beginning. When God created the world, what did He do? He said, let there be light. God spoke the worlds into existence, Hebrews says. We believe by faith that He spoke the worlds into existence. So in order for there to be the truth, there had to be a sound. In order for there to be sound, there had to be tension. Vibration is actually what holds all things together. You can Google this. Frequencies are basically what holds everything together. Your phone that you're holding right now is held together by sound and frequency. Frequency. And Colossians 1 actually says that in Him all things hold together. In who? In Jesus. In the truth. In the Word. He's called the Word. That means there was a spoken moment. A Word was spoken. And His name was Jesus. And that's the truth. And the reality is without attention you can't have balance. So a lot of people are running from conflict or running straight into conflict uh, in an aggressive way. But balance is required. And you cannot have 
truth without balance. So what am I saying? I'm saying that in order for there to be balance, you must have tension. Tension creates balance. Have you ever seen a tightrope walker? You know, they walk across high expanses, you know, buildings to building and caverns and all that. They have a tightrope that is taut. It's at tension. Imagine if that tension was loosened, if it went slack. That tightrope artist would have a very hard time walking across. Why? Because it would be too loose. It would swing back and forth. And thus, truth is held in tension so that you can be brought into balance. Holy conflict is where you learn how to communicate to those around you in an assertive way that isn't passive, it's not aggressive, it's not passive-aggressive, it's assertive. It says you matter and I matter and I want to show you what's on the inside of me because I care about this relationship. That is what happens between two people living in Dependenceville. It's not that there's no conflict, it's that this is a holy conflict zone. Not a conflict-free zone, a holy conflict zone. Even the disciples were constantly in conflict. Jesus was constantly having to say, Hey, guys, that doesn't matter. <laughs> or, hey, that's not for me to decide. You know, who will sit at my right hand? It's not for me to decide. He said, when he asked who sinned, this man or his, or his parents, he said, that's not the matter here. What's the, here's the matter. I'm going to display the glory of God in this sickness. And so there was constantly conflict and there was, there was competition and all of that. It's, it's the way of excellence. Competition breeds excellence. It's the way of excellence. So there is a, there is a, a heart cry though from the people, the, the people who realize they need God, the people who are becoming even more poor in spirit. They realize they need Holy Spirit. There is a heart cry. They cry out from the depths of where they are. They're broken and desolate places. And they see Jesus, who has defeated death, coming to their rescue. They see the Father of all creation forcing back all the things that held them back. And as they look upon Him, as they see Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith, they erupt in praise and they, they extol Him for who He is and what He's done, but they never forget where they came from. This is Dependenceville. This is Dependenceville. So, as we talk more about this place, I just want you to realize, you know, it's not, like I said, a utopian society. It's not a far-off, unattainable place. It's Thy kingdom come. It's, it's His kingdom come. It's His will being done on the earth. How many of you know that? We're not going to heaven. Heaven is coming here. I know, I know, this is episode two, and I'm getting in trouble with you, but Jesus said, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He never led anyone to pray a prayer to go to heaven. The goal is not to get you to heaven, the goal is to get heaven inside of you. If we get heaven inside of people, they'll get to heaven, that's a byproduct. The new heaven is coming to the new earth. So. Before I get into any more trouble here, I'm just going to keep talking about some realities of Dependenceville. Here's the first one. Natural reasoning does not apply. Natural reasoning does not apply. You know, if you believe that Christ raised from the dead, if you believe that He was born of a virgin, you have just entered into the nonsense zone. A good friend of mine, Daniel, once said, 
God is not a God of confusion, but he is a God of nonsense. It's not always going to make sense. And that natural reasoning that we so heavily rely on need not apply for anything we're going to do in Dependenceville. We are literally abandoning natural reasoning, not completely, but as our doorway. The doorway to truth is not the intellect. My friend Brian Simmons, author of the Passion Translation, says that all the time. The doorway to truth is not the intellect. It's the spirit. And that spirit is called called holy. And so for us to enter into real truth, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit, not our natural reasoning, right? You all know the verse. We lean not on our own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all our ways and he will make our path straight. So it can't be that we reason our way into Dependenceville. It can't be that we reach some other higher form of intellect in order to get uh, more aware or become more uh, revelatory or any of that. It's literally by the Spirit. So I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you exactly where you are, whose you are, and who you are. That it would be a revelatory time we spend together. And just here's a couple of the concepts. The first one was that natural reasoning does not really apply in Dependenceville as the door. I'm talking about the door, okay? We don't lose our minds. We get the mind of Christ, and He's really smart. He's the Logos. He's the truth. He's the source of all logic. I hope you hear the balance in what I'm saying. Here's the second thing. You need to understand that you need a daily sustenance. You need a daily bread. I hit on this a little bit in the first episode, but Jesus is called our daily bread. Oftentimes I see the church and people in the church saying, Father God, give us this week our weekly bread. <laughs> they go to church every Sunday and they expect a good old word from the sermon and they they go on the whole week spiritually hangry, spiritually languishing. You know, hangry means hungry and angry. That sounds like a lot of Christians that I know. I'm not being mean. I'm just, I'm being honest with you. Like, we need to step up. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. You need to take the daily bread of His voice. We live by every word He speaks. And the prayer He he exhorted us to pray, The you know, the people call it the Lord's Prayer, it actually told us to make a request for our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Not our weekly, monthly, yearly bread, but our daily bread. You know, and it's gotta be that that serious for us. Every day you need to wake up and say, God, I need a word from heaven today. What are you saying over me? And that is literally manna from heaven. That's, that's what fed the Israelites every day. Jesus said, I am the bread that came from heaven. He is, he is. And they, they got it every single day. This is a picture of daily bread. They had to go out every single day. They were not permitted to gather more manna than they needed for one day. They had to get it every day. They couldn't carry it overnight. They, and as much as they took, they ate. And it's whatever was left over, they, it spoiled. It spoiled. And you can't live off of yesterday's word any more than the Israelites could live off of yesterday's manna. You need a word today. You need a word today. And the reason is not sadistic. The reason for this is not mean, it's not cruel, it's not to make you work harder. The reason is relationship. God does not want to talk to you once a week. He wants to talk to you every moment. He wants you to breathe in His breath and exhale at the same breath. He wants you to breathe in His breath and exhale every moment what He's saying to you. He wants you to take in His love and give it out to those around you. He wants a relationship with you that bears fruit with the relationships around you. You know, it actually, it's more than just Him receiving glory. It's actually you knowing Him so that you glorify Him by default. That it's a fruit. It's a fruit. It's a fruit. 
It's relationship. It's fruit from relationship. You know, if you're a, if you're married listening to me, how crazy would it be if you only spoke to your spouse once a week? How crazy would it be if you only spoke to them in public? How crazy would it be if you only got, quote, intimate, end quote, with them in public? You know, that is not the fruit-bearing kind of intimacy that the gospel calls for. That's not the fruit-bearing kind of relationship that Jesus is wanting with his people. We are those who are supposed to make his glory known on the earth. And that requires fruit. He said, for this reason, you're my disciples, that you would bear much fruit. And if you love one another, people will know you're my disciples. So the fruit is called love. So this Jesus said some crazy stuff. And this brings me to my next, my next point here. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And that is the picture of sustaining ourselves in Dependenceville. The flesh of Jesus is our daily bread. You know, Psalms 22 gives an extremely vivid picture of Christ and Him crucified. It actually has 33 prophecies of Jesus being crucified on the cross. It actually shows in vivid detail exactly what was going to happen to Him hundreds of years before. It's amazing. You should really go read Psalms 22, but only if you're alone and ready to receive a revelation of the cross because it is powerful. It actually says in one place that He became like a worm and didn't even look like a man anymore. Come on. There's no understanding it. The cross was horrific and awful, yet awe-inspiring and wonderful in that through it, we were also crucified with Him and now live a resurrected life. Galatians 2.20 is my favorite verse in the New Testament. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. That is the daily bread I take every day. I say, Jesus is the reason for this season, the one I'm in right now. You are everything. Jesus is the point. God, God, and God, the Trinity got together and said, what are we going to do with our existence? We're going to make Jesus known. That's the point. And the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. And that's, that's the wine. He says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. He was speaking a mystery that literally was testing the relationships that he had built. He turned to his disciples after everybody left when he said that and said, are you leaving too? And they said, uh, you have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? We left everything <laughs> to follow you. He was testing the bonds of relationship. And that, like I said, that wine of the spirit is the joy. It's, it's a overwhelming ecstasy of salvation. You know, the word bliss is meant by the, was birthed by the church to mean the ecstasy of salvation, you know, and there's a lot of talk about this, but it's it's plainly seen in Acts 2 when the first pouring of the Holy Spirit came upon His people, they were acting drunk. And Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is the fullness of joy. What the heck does the fullness of joy look like? Oh my gosh, I don't even know. I've been really joyful, but what does fullness of joy look like? Man, we should try and figure that out instead of trying to, you know, crucify our flesh when it's already been crucified. Instead of trying to make our own redemption like Judas who hung himself, instead of saying, thank you for your redemptive work, Jesus, like Peter, who also denied Christ, and received his act as enough his finished work as enough whoa come on it's amazing I'm amazed by this I'm amazed by this whole thing called the gospel and this place of Dependenceville it's just a revealing place it says here's who I am here's what I want to do and it's got so much to tell us I really believe that it has so much to tell us so as I close, I want to tell you a quick testimony, and then I'm just going to let you go. 
when I was I was growing up in a denomination that didn't really believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Actually, I, let me take that back. We didn't believe that the Holy Spirit was actually able to talk to us today. We believed the devil could talk to us, but not God, because that would be adding to Scripture. Maybe you grew up something in some way similar. But I uh, was, you know, a good Christian boy, saved when I was eight years old, and I was always in the church. It was like I went from the womb to the to the pew. You know what I mean? And it's a it's it was a weekly thing for us. It was twice on Sundays, once on Monday night, once on Wednesday night, and then every now and then we have a weekend thing with the youth group and summer camp, all that, right? And so I grew up around church people. I grew up in the the processes of the church, the discipline of the church, and I'm so grateful for my upbringing because I learned the Word of God. I learned the Word of God. There was a high value on the Word, and the Word is a person named Jesus. So I am not upset about the way I was raised. I was introduced to Jesus, and I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful for what was instilled in me, which was a high value for the Word. But all along the way, I had a cessationist worldview. And let me explain what that means. That means that the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, we believed, had died off with the last apostle. That they were just for the laying the foundation of Scripture, and that's it. And now I've since been enlightened to that not being true, and I've seen it with my own eyes and that's the testimony I want to share with you my mother she was struck by lightning when she was 18 years old and she had chronic pain uh, her nervous system went haywire basically uh, she had chronic migraines and she was in in and out of hospitals four to, four to eight times a year she had every type of medication you can imagine she was at one point in September 2012 on 80 milligrams of oxycodone and a cocktail of other things and I went on a missions trip with my workplace to Honduras and I thought I was just going to play guitar and dance and have a good time, you know, feeding the poor and stuff like good Christians do. I get down there, they're all speaking in tongues, they're all dancing like crazy in church, they're all shouting, they're laying their hands on people saying, be healed in Jesus' name. They're quoting Mark 16 saying, these signs will follow them that believe, they'll lay hands on the sick and see them fully recover. I'm like, that's not in my Bible. That's not in my Bible. That's some Pentecostal Bible. Wow. I got back to my hotel room and I looked up in Mark 16 and I saw it written in red. It was the words of Jesus. How did I miss that? It's true. Anyway, I didn't see any crazy miracles, but I saw crazy people that were believing the Bible. They believed the Bible. And I got back from Honduras. For, I went for about a week. I got back and I went to my parents' house to tell them all about the craziness I had just been through. <laughs> and. My mother was on the couch telling me she had run out of medication, she had stopped taking it, and she was in great pain. She was desperate. She was she was not doing good. We had had bad days before, but this was a really bad day. I'm sitting on the couch seeing my mom cry, and she's saying, I'm desperate. I don't know what to do. And I heard a voice in my head. Yes, I did. I heard a voice say, lay hands on her. And... I ignored the voice at first, and then the voice repeated itself, lay hands on her. So I replied to the voice. I said, no. <laughs> I knew somewhere deep in my spirit, I knew it was God. I knew it wasn't my voice because I didn't want to do it. I knew it wasn't the devil because why would he want me to pray for my mom? So it must have been God. And I said, no. And the voice said, lay hands on her. I said, no. The voice said, lay hands on her. I said, no. The voice repeated itself over and over saying, lay hands on her, lay hands on her. I'm like, God, I'm not in Honduras. I kind of got involved down there, but that type of thing doesn't happen here. You know, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I don't do that. I don't do that. That's crazy. My family's going to think I'm nuts. No way. No way. He kept up. Lay hands on her. Lay, like an annoying 
brother, lay hands on her, lay hands on her, lay hands on her, lay hands on her. And so I finally gave up and I said, fine, God, it's not going to work, but I will do it anyway. That was my great prayer of faith. My great, stupendous prayer of faith. Fine, God, it's not going to work, but I'll do it anyway. You know, obedience is a powerful thing. So I stood up. And I said, Mom, stand up. I'm going to pray for you. She's like, okay. She's crying. And I put my hands on her. And I said the, the sassiest prayer you've ever heard in your life. I said, God, it says in your word that these signs will follow them to believe. And I believe. I knew that it was talking about believing in Jesus, not believing in the signs themselves. So I said, I believe. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe. And then this came out of my mouth and I never heard it before. I've heard it a lot since, but I never heard it before this. I think Holy Spirit took over my tongue. I said, I command a full restoration in the name of Jesus by your Holy Spirit right now. A full restoration by your Holy Spirit. And my mom said it felt like a plug was pulled from the bottom of her feet and all the pain drained out of her body like hot liquid oil ran over her head and all the pain instantly left. She eventually looked at me and said, I have no pain in my body. And I said, what the heck do you mean you don't have any pain in your body? And she said, I have no pain in my body. And I was like shocked more than she was, but I didn't know what to do. So I said, oh yeah, of course, you don't have pain in your body. I went to Honduras, I pray for the sick, is what I do. I didn't know what the heck I was talking about, and I did not want to look stupid. So I didn't want to ruin it, you know what I mean? I was like, do we blow a shofar? Do we wave a flag? Do I try to speak Japanese? I don't know what to do right now. I sat down, I was in shock. I, I didn't know what was going on. And honestly, for a year, I did not believe it was gonna stay. Well, I believed that, you know, she was gonna be sick again, that it was the pain was gonna come back. But after about a year, I finally wised up, I had an encounter with God, and I realized, oh my goodness, you're way bigger than I thought, and I don't know the first thing about any of this, but I'm gonna find out. And I went on a journey. That was my first step into Dependenceville. I said, I do not have it all together. I need you to explain these things. You've got some explaining to do, Jesus. And I sincerely dove into that journey of saying, I don't know what I'm talking about. I humbled myself and I said, forgive me for my pride and thinking I had you all figured out. I need to know what you are doing on the earth today. So that was my first step. And I encourage you to take that step today, just to humble yourself and say, man, I don't got it all figured out and I need you, God. And I would, no matter what your preconceived uh, ideas are of God, I would encourage you just to say, God, reveal yourself to me as you are, not as I think you to be. Reveal yourself to me, Jesus, as you are, not as I think you to be. And if you do that, you're taking your first step into a place called Dependenceville. It's a great place to be. I encourage you to tune back in for episode three. And thank you so much for listening today. I'm so honored by you being here. You can check out Dependenceville.com if you're more interested in this topic. Bless you.